0: Welcome to the King's Cost dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Thank you for the warm welcome. I really appreciate that. Hey, you know when Phil said, uh, sometimes people look at evangelism, evangelism courses and they say, I ain't doing that. Let me tell you, three years ago, I used to look at the preachers up here and say, I ain't doing that. So <laughs> you better watch out because you never know what's coming next. It's, uh, it's an adventure walking with Jesus. It really is. It's a great privilege and a joy to be here this morning. And uh, like I said already, I just want to say thank you for the encouragement I've received this morning. It's been amazing. You know, sometimes just a few short words from a person will encourage us in, in the most profound way. And I can tell you, since I walked through those doors this morning, several people have walked up to me. And the encouragement, the encouragement has been absolutely incredible. So I just want to say thank you. I really appreciate it. I think I'd like to start by saying forgive me for the frog in my throat this morning. Uh, yesterday I was out. I went for a short walk. And I had the great privilege to minister to uh, five or six young lads, skateboarders, at the bus station in Newmarket. Um... And they were all smoking. So because I spent about 20 minutes there with them, I think I've inhaled a bit of their cigarettes. And as a result, I've got a bit of a frog in my throat this morning. So forgive me in advance. You know what Jesus said about water? He said, uh, those who believe in me out of their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And I want to encourage all of you this morning. I see a bunch of people, a bunch of amazing people who are full of love, and compassion. And I really believe that rivers of love and, and compassion are going to flow out of you guys, out of this building and into the streets of Cambridge. So be encouraged. So uh, as Phil was saying, we are in week four of a four part series. And um, I'm just going to start by giving a quick summary of the last three weeks. The first week was all about insight. And uh, we found out when we looked in Ephesians chapter three, we saw that we can actually have a supernatural insight into the mysteries of God. And wasn't it amazing to discover that we've been entrusted with a mystery above ourselves and eternity is written on our hearts. And I don't know about you, but those words just mean so much to me. Week two was all about identity identity. And we had a look at the book of Luke, Luke 15. And we came at the story of the prodigal son from a slightly different angle, which really blessed me. Um, the title of that message that week was The Amazing Dad. And we had the great joy to realize that when we recognize our heavenly dad, we are reminded of our bloodline identity. And we thank God for that. Week three was all about intimacy. Uh, we had a look in John chapter 10. And we're reminded that Jesus is our shepherd. He's the great shepherd. He's the good shepherd. And thank God he's not in a kingdom far away. And he desires to have a relationship with us. And where would we be without that? So we thank him for that. Um, I really want to encourage you. I believe that in the last three weeks, uh, the messages we've been hearing, they're really going to compel us to go out and do something special in this city. And I believe that if we grasp these truths, these fundamental truths, then we will operate in a kingdom lifestyle. And my hope is that this morning we're going to find out a little bit more about that, what it means to operate in a kingdom lifestyle. You know, uh, it's always good to have a role model to look up to. And I feel that the passage we're going to look at this morning in the book of Matthew, which is Matthew chapter 9, if you'd like to turn to that in your Bibles, I really feel that this is a passage where we're going to discover that Jesus really is and was Our greatest role model. And I believe his word to us today is to follow him, not to the grave and beyond, but rather to imitate his lifestyle and his faith. And I believe if we truly do this, then we will have a tremendous impact in the kingdom of God. The title of my message this morning is Kingdom Keys Impact. We're going to be having a look at impact. So this follows on from insight, identity, Intimacy. This week is all about impact. And we're reading from Matthew chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 35. And we're going to skip around a little bit. So I hope you can bear with me. We're reading from verse 35 and reading on to verse 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Skipping down to chapter 10, verse 1, it says this, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And We're going to jump down now to verse 5. It says this, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. There's that word kingdom. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have given, freely you have received rather, freely give. Verse 9, do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff for the worker is worth his keep. Thank God for his word. You know, I discovered something quite recently, and I want to encourage you with this. Um, I found out that it's a really good idea, if you ever get time, to sit down and read a complete gospel from start to finish in one sitting. Um, I think it's the gospel of Mark that will only take about an hour and a half if you do that. And what I've discovered is this. If you do that, you will see things in the word of God that you've never seen before. I've seen something in this passage that I've never noticed before. And I'm hoping this morning to share some of those things I've seen with you. Um, The passage we're going to look at this morning, I believe it's what is known as a hinge passage. In other words, it's a pivotal passage. And if we think about what a hinge is, let's just think about the front door at Kings, for example, a hinge is something that holds two objects together. And if we think about the front door, it's attached to the building, but it swings on a hinge. And in many ways, this passage that we're looking at, it's a hinge passage. It holds together our ministry with the ministry of Jesus Christ himself. But I believe that we're going to see something that happens that changes everything. And we're going to come on to that a bit later. So we've got this before and after moment. There's this picture in the book of Matthew from chapters one to nine. It's all about Jesus and it's all about his ministry and what he's been doing. And isn't it incredible to think about what he did just for a second? He opened blind eyes. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cleansed the lepers. It was astonishing. Imagine being there and watching Jesus do that. Incredible. And the other great thing I discovered about this passage is that if we are going to be serious about following Jesus, then we couldn't look to a better passage, because actually this passage is all about following him. My first point this morning is see like Jesus. I believe that if we're going to have a great impact in the kingdom of God, we need to imitate the greatest role model we could have himself, Jesus Christ, and we need to see like Jesus Verse 36 says this. It says, when he saw the crowds referring to Jesus, it says he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Now, you know, the thing that I've discovered is this, that when Jesus looked at the crowds, he saw where they were. He saw their needs. He saw that they were needy. He saw that they were confused. The word helpless in the original in this text, it actually means people that are downtrodden, people that have been cast down, people that are forlorn, people that are broken, people that carry burdens. And it's amazing to think this, that as I was driving to church this morning, I looked at probably a dozen people on the way down Mill Road, and without getting anything prophetic or any words of knowledge or anything like that, I could see just by looking at their faces that there are people like this out there on the streets of Cambridge this morning. Um, I've also discovered this, that Jesus, when he looked at the people, he referred to them as sheep without a shepherd. And again, this word helpless, when it translates, it actually translate, translates into the word prostrate, which means to lay down, to lay down on your back. And apparently I've discovered that if uh, if a sheep actually falls onto its back, It can't get up on its own. It needs the shepherd to come along and help it to get up. So this is the picture. This is the picture of sinners apart from Jesus Christ. And I want to ask us this question this morning. Are we seriously looking at people like Jesus? Who do we look at when we're in the streets and in the supermarkets in the shopping centers? Are we taking time to look at people and are we seeing their needs the way that Jesus did. I really believe one of the best ways we can see people the way Jesus did is to take our eyes off ourselves and to fix our eyes on him. And it goes back to what we've been learning in parts one to three of this series, that if we spend that intimate time with Jesus, then we will start to see like him. Things will really start to change. Let me challenge you right now. Imagine this. Imagine your phone rang right now sitting here in the church. Now, your first reaction might be embarrassment because your phone's gone off in church. But think about this. This is a challenging thought, but I believe I'm here this morning to challenge you. Imagine somebody phoned you up and they told you the news that one of the people that you love intimately was missing. Just think about that for one second. I wonder what our reaction would be if that actually happened. I believe this. I believe we'd drop what we were doing right now. And I believe we'd leave this building and we'd go to look for that person. That's the way Jesus sees people. And that's the way he wants us to see people. God is all about pursuing people. And we we heard this morning Lee was talking about Adam and Eve. He was talking about the Garden of Eden. And actually, that's where it all began. That's where God began to pursue people. When Adam and Eve sinned, when the first sin came into the world, uh, their first reaction was to hide from God. But God the Father, with his loving heart, he came into the garden. The Bible says his presence came into the garden and he looked for them. And it's been like that ever since. Nothing has changed. God is still pursuing his people. He's still looking for them. And he wants us to see people the way that he sees them. You know, I'm just going to tell you a little bit now about my background because I feel that this will encourage you a little bit about my journey. Um, going back now about 12 years ago, just before I became a Christian, I was I was in a pretty hopeless place. I was helpless and I was harassed. I was like a sheep without a shepherd. And ironically, I lived just down the road here on Mill Road in a street called Hope Street. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And now I have a fiancé called Hope. <laughs> so, praise God. I think, I think God is, uh, is trying to tell me that there's always hope in Him. I really believe that. Um, the amazing thing is this. I, I won't give you my full testimony right now, obviously, because of time limitations. But I want to tell you that one day I found myself in a church... And I was confused. I was harassed. I was helpless. But there were people there that looked at me through the eyes of Jesus. That's how I know this morning that it's possible for each one of us to do it. Because I've met people in my life that have seen me that way. Let me give you an example. Twelve years ago, I was homeless. I found myself sitting on a bench in the park one day with nowhere to go. And then I received a phone call, and it was a call from a man in the church that I'd been to the week previously, and he offered me a place to live. Now, why did he do that? Because he saw me like Jesus. He saw like Jesus. We need to see like Jesus if we're going to make a difference in this world. A few weeks after I went back to that church, I was looking for a job at the time. I actually found a job that I really wanted to do. But I needed a car to get to the location. And I think something must have happened through the church grapevine. People maybe heard about this. I didn't tell too many people. But one morning I walked into the church and this couple walked up to me and they asked me to put my hand out, which I did. And then they dropped some keys into my hand and they said, there you go. That's our car. We're giving it to you. We're giving you our car. Isn't that amazing? These are people that saw me like Jesus. I can tell you, I was in a state in those days. I was pretty messed up. I was broken up. But they saw something in me. They saw potential. They saw the gold. And this is how we need to see people. Just recently. This means a lot, guys. I'm going to be real with you today. I'm going to get real with you because this means a lot. This is urgent. I really feel like God said to me this morning, this is urgent. You need to challenge people because this is urgent. God is not willing that anyone should perish in this world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that those who believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. God gave. He gave. We need to give. We need to see people the way that Jesus sees them. And we need to give. A few weeks ago I was in my gym. And this is the thing I really want to highlight about seeing like Jesus. When we see like Jesus... Everything will change. And when I was in the gym a few weeks ago, um, I noticed the owner was standing quite close to me, and he was kind of pressing his shoulder, and he he was grimacing. He had an expression on his face. He was in a lot of pain. Now, this is a man who I'd approached probably about a week previously, and I'd actually invited him to an event here in the church in front of some other guys. Now, on that occasion... He actually laughed at me and he said, there is no God. There is no God. I'm not coming to your church because there is no God. You're deceived. You're in deception. Listen, even when somebody talks to us like that, we can still see them like Jesus. Amen? Yeah. So a little while after that, I see him. He's there in the gym. He's, he's grabbing his shoulder. He's in pain. So I walked up to him and I said, listen, Mike you know, the God that I've been telling you about recently, I really believe he can help you out with your shoulder. He looked at me and he laughed and he said, no, 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 I don't believe it. I don't believe it. So I challenged him and I said, well, listen, what have you got to lose? What have you got to lose if I just put my hand on your shoulder right now and I pray a short prayer for 15 seconds? You've got nothing to lose. So he took a step back and he said, fine, you pray for me. So I ascertained the pain level in his shoulder. It was very high. Um, it seemed like something had popped in his shoulder. And he was actually just about to finish his workout and go home because he couldn't use his shoulder. He couldn't move his arm. And then I had this opportunity to see him like Jesus. So I put my hand on his shoulder and I prayed a short prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. And within a few seconds, that man's face went as white as a ghost. He turned around and he ran up the stairs in the gym and disappeared. (laughs) Now, I've never seen a reaction like that before when I prayed for someone. So my first response was, oh dear, what have I done? But what I found, completely healed. And he'd run up the stairs to share that news with three or four guys that were upstairs learning how to box. Box. Now, in the meantime, in the weeks following this, uh, this man that I'm telling you about right now, he's becoming more and more interested in Jesus. And the conversation is always turning to God, and I'm getting the opportunity to share the gospel with him. So this is just one example of what can happen when we see like Jesus. It doesn't matter what people say to us. It doesn't matter what they say to us. We need to see them like Jesus. If we see people like Jesus, then we need to see them with compassion. Point two this morning is love like Jesus. Love like Jesus. If we go back to the passage and we read verse 36, it says this. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So, from this scripture, what can we learn about our role model? How can we imitate our role model? How did he see the crowds? Have you ever asked yourself that question when you're in a place where there's a lot of people, maybe a football stadium or the Grand Arcade? What do you feel when you look at people? How do you feel when you see them? When Jesus looked at the people, he had compassion upon them. Love. He had love for them. Again, in the original, this word compassion is a very, very strong word. It actually means a gut reaction. It's a very, very strong word. If you study it in the Greek, it means that actually a a person's bowels will move inside them. It's a very, very strong reaction. And it's something that moves people towards other people. I'm sure we've all had that experience at times when we've uh, perhaps put the news on on TV And there's a story come up, and it's about maybe refugees or um, about a famine somewhere far away. And I'm sure you'll agree, when we see things like that, we're moved. We're moved with compassion. We're moved with love. Jesus was all about love, He loved people. You know what I'm learning these days when I speak to people in the streets about Jesus is that they can sense when we love them, they really can. They can feel that love and it makes a difference because if they feel that love, then they're more open to receive the message that we have to deliver. We need to love like Jesus. Jesus loved people back to life. And, you know, everywhere he went, he would talk to anyone and everyone. He'd talk to the person that was rejected. He'd talk to the person that was broken. He'd talk to the sick person. He'd even talk to the dead person. Yeah, believe it or not, I'm referring to Lazarus right now. I wonder how many of us remember that story when Lazarus, the friend of Jesus, had died and he'd been put in the grave, in the tomb. They'd wrapped him in the grave clothes. they put him away. And then Jesus found out about this and Jesus comes across Mary, the sister of Lazarus, and she's weeping. And there are people there wailing. And just before this, if you read the Bible, it's clear that Jesus already knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He already knew that. So here's the thing. It says that Jesus wept. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is just those two words. Jesus wept. It tells us everything about the love of God. If Jesus already knew That he would raise Lazarus from the dead. Why did he weep? Why did he weep? Have we ever thought about that? I believe he wept. Because he cares. Because he loves people. Because he has compassion for people. He cares enough to weep with us. You know, I feel like maybe this morning there are people here. And they're going through a season of weeping. And I want to encourage you. Whatever's causing that problem, be open with Jesus. Be open, share your problem with Jesus and he'll weep with you because he's full of love and he's full of compassion. Jesus even had time for a thief on the cross when he was dying, when he was in the most agonizing pain imaginable with the nails in his hands and feet, the crown of thorns upon his head. He still had that love. He still had that compassion. He still had that time to turn around and respond to the thief on the cross next to him. You know, many of us here, we're fathers. And I'm sure at times fathers will sit down with their children when they're doing their homework. And they'll help them with the spelling. You know what I've learned? My heavenly father doesn't mind if I misspell certain words. And I believe the word love can be misspelled and still please God. Because if we spell it T-I-M-E, that's pleasing to God. If we're going to love people, we need to give people time. How can we love people? You know, going back to my story just briefly, um, a few years ago before I came into this church, I went through a very difficult season in my life. I, I had a health condition. I had a problem with my digestive system. And it was something that used to wake me up consistently every night between 3 and 4 a.m. in the morning. You know, sometimes we're stubborn and we learn the hard way. And that was definitely me. I used to wake up in the morning and I just used to speak to my Father in heaven and say, why? Why, God? Why is this happening? Why am I sleeping three hours a night? Why does this continue to go on? And then one night after about a year It really took that long. I felt like I heard the Lord say to me, I want you to stop asking me why. And I want you to ask me this question. What shall I do next? So the next night I woke up. Same time, nothing changed. I woke up at three o'clock in the morning. And I was just about to say, why, Lord, again. Except for this time, by the grace of God, I remembered and I said, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do next? And then I felt like the Lord said to me, I want you to get out of that bed. And I want you to spend time with me in my word and prayer. And that's what I did. And I want to tell you, that's one of the best things that's ever happened to me. The Bible says that God causes everything to work for the good of those who love him. And are called according to his purpose. And during that next season, as I continued to wake up early in the morning, I went to my knees and I spent time with my father. We learned about it last week when we heard about intimacy. My point is this. When we hang out with the Lord, he will rub off on us and we'll become more like him. We receive to be poured out of. He fills us. So that we can pour out to the others around us. We get to give. Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. So we get the love of God. And then we give it out. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. Says that the love of Christ compels us. And this is one thing that I've discovered. That when we spend time in God's presence. And he fills us with his love. That love will compel us. If you define the word compel, it actually means to drive, to drive something. So when we get full of his love, it drives us out. It drives us out and it it pushes us out to go and see like Jesus. It pushes us out to go and love like Jesus. Can I share another story with you guys? (laughs) You know, about a year ago, Um, on a Sunday evening I was leaving the church and it had been an amazing time in church we'd had a wonderful time we'd seen lots of people get healed I actually went to a friend's house after church so by the time I got back to where I live it was quite late it was probably after 10pm in the evening on my way home I received a text when I stopped to get petrol I opened the text And it was actually a text from Pastor Phil. And it was about something that we used to talk about, something we used to discuss. Because we we have this little catchphrase, and we like to remind each other that there's always one more woman at the well. Now, I don't know if you know what that story means, but what it means is this. There's always one more person out there that God wants us to love. So on the way home, I was driving up this hill very close to where I live and then, to my surprise, I saw a man on the side of the road and he was actually leaning over, he was bent over, clutching his chest. Now my first impression was that that man was probably drunk, he probably had a bit too much to drink. So I drove past him, but then I remembered the text that I'd read just a few short minutes before and I thought, I need to do something about this. So, I stopped the car and I parked at the top of the hill and I walked down the hill. By the time I reached this man, he was on his knees, gasping for air. So, I quickly became aware of the fact that this was not somebody who was drunk. This was actually a serious medical problem. And when I looked at the man, I said to him, How can I help you? And he could barely talk. But what he did manage to say was this I need my inhaler. So, at that point, I realized that this man was having an asthma attack. And as the seconds ticked by, it was getting more and more serious. He reached a point where he couldn't talk anymore. And I was actually standing there, and I was thinking, I need to call an ambulance for this man. But then it became apparent to me that there just wasn't time for that. And I remembered what had happened in the church previously, just a few hours before. I remembered that we'd seen people healed. And I remembered that the love of Christ compels us. So without even getting this man's permission because he couldn't speak to me, I just put my hand on his chest. And I prayed a short prayer. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I command this asthma attack to stop. Within three seconds, this man leapt to his feet. (gasps) He took a deep breath. And he said to me, What have you done to me? (laughs) I said to the man, I haven't done anything, but I believe that God has just healed you. I believe that Jesus Christ has just touched you. You've just been healed through the power of the Holy Spirit. This guy was absolutely awestruck. He then said to me, can you do anything about my hips? I've got bad hips. (laughs) So again, I said, I can't do anything. But Jesus can. I prayed for his hips. All the pain left his hips. I believe his hips were healed. Now, it would be quite easy to walk away at that point, feeling pleased with ourselves. We we must always make sure that God gets the glory. And then I realized, actually, what was just as important was to offer this man a lift home. So I pointed out the fact that my car was just down the road. And I said, can I give you a lift home? And he agreed to that. So he got in the car with me. By this point, this man was crying. He was just so overwhelmed at what God had done for him. We then parked outside this man's house and we spent an hour and a half in my car. And this man opened his heart to me and shared with me the fact that he'd been in prison for three years, not long before this encounter happened. And then I learned that every night when he was in prison, he used to take a Bible out of his pocket and pull a pillowcase over his head, take a small small torch, put it inside the pillowcase and read the Bible. And he used to read it inside this pillowcase so that he wouldn't disturb the other person in the cell with him. He then looked at me and said, I always knew there was a God. I always knew it and now I'm sure there is a God. I give God the glory for that. My third point this morning is that we need to act like Jesus. We need to act like Jesus. If we just go back to the passage for a moment and we pick it up from Matthew chapter 10, reading from verse 1, it says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and illness. We're going to skip down now to... Verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal those who are ill. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff. For the worker is worth his keep. If we're going to act like Jesus, we need to see like Jesus. And we need to love like Jesus. And that love will compel us. It will send us out of these four walls to go and act like Jesus. You know, I've learned this. I've learned that God loves to use weak and broken people because I'm one of them. And I've always loved the character Peter in the Bible. I can really relate to Peter. After all, this is the man that denied Jesus three times. This is the man that disagreed with Jesus a lot This is the man that got upset when Jesus offered to wash his feet. This is the man that cut the guard's ear off in the Garden of Gethsemane. Peter had a flawed character. He didn't have it all together. I want to tell you, when I first started stepping out like this three years ago, I had a flawed character. And guess what? I still have one today. If we just go back to... Verse nine here, it says, do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts, no bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff for the worker is worth his keep. Jesus was saying to his disciples that they didn't need to take any special equipment with them. They didn't need to take any money with them. You know, maybe we sit here today and we think my character is just not ready for this. I don't have the right character. I haven't had the right training. I don't have the right skills. I don't have the right gifts. I want to encourage you, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And the best evangelist that walks this earth today is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. We just need to hang out with the Lord and spend more time with Him. I'm going back to what I was saying earlier, but If there's one thing I've learned, the more we let God pour into us with his love, the more we can give out. Everything changes in God's presence. It's God's presence that this world needs. It's his presence that's going to set the world free. There are people right now, I promise you, there are people right now outside this church, walking up and down Mill Road and Tennyson Road, and they're broken, and they're needy, and they're like the sheep laying on their back, kicking their legs in the air, and they're waiting for the shepherd to come along and help them up. And we need to go out and we need to see like Jesus. We need to love like Jesus and we need to act like Jesus because when we connect with these people, when we make relationships with these people, that's the bridge that Jesus can walk over. And then the shepherd will help them up. We carry an incredible, incredibly valuable message Second Corinthians chapter four verse seven highlights this message. It speaks about the jars of clay. And we learn that we contain a priceless contents. The treasure that it speaks about in that scripture is the power of God. It's the power of God. And and we carry that. A few short weeks ago, I believe I shared a word, um, here in the church, and it was very much based on this scripture. I felt like the Lord was encouraging people about the treasure that they have inside them. And I feel prompted now just to share that again briefly. You know, these jars of clay that Paul was referring to when he wrote to the Corinthians, that's a really interesting thing because apparently, originally, people used to hide their money in these very expensive, perfect-looking jars. But then what used to happen When thieves and robbers used to come in, they used to steal these jars because they looked so good. And then when they they left the house, they found that they had all the treasure inside the jar. So people wised up to this and they said, no, we're not going to do this anymore. We're going to get some cracked jars and we're going to hide our treasure in the cracked jars. And that way the robbers won't steal them. Maybe you sit here today and you feel a bit cracked. You feel... Like your character's not ready yet to go out and speak to people about Jesus. Let me encourage you. The thing about cracks in a jar is that you can see the treasure shining through. If you feel weak today, let the love of Christ compel you. Go out and let people see that treasure shining through your cracks. It makes a difference when people see Jesus in us. It makes a difference. Let's think about it like this. If we go to a restaurant today, we'll sit down at a table and we'll order some food. A waiter or a waitress will come. We'll order the food and then the waiter will take the order to the chef. The chef has all the ingredients and the chef cooks the meal and the waiter brings the meal out. I really believe this. I believe we're like waiters and waitresses. It's a team effort. When we go out there, we don't go out there alone. We go with the Holy Spirit. And it's a team effort. We take the order. We walk up to a person. We say, hello, sir, what can I do for you today? Maybe the person will say, I need my knee healed. So we take the order to the chef. We take it to our father in prayer. And many times we see the person get healed. You know, I wasted many years of my life telling God what I was going to do. And then I'd sit back and wait for him to bless it. But then I discovered it's so much more fun to find out what God is doing and bless that. That's where the adventure is. If we operate like this, it will change our lives. It will change our lives completely. It's changed the way I go shopping. I used to go shopping and I used to hate shopping. I used to hate queuing up at the checkout. Now, I love going shopping. Because when I'm queuing up at the checkout, I'm speaking to my Father in heaven and I'm asking him about the person sitting behind the checkout. And I'm praying and I'm saying, Lord, would you let your presence rest upon these people in the queue? Would you let these people know your presence right now? Would you give me a word of knowledge about this young lady sitting here? Is there something I can do to encourage her, Lord? It changes everything. My fiancé and I were in Spain uh, just last year, and we went to a supermarket. We just bought some bottles of water, and while we're queuing up at the checkout, Espe, my fiancé, she felt like the Lord was telling her that the lady behind the checkout had a pain in her neck. So I said, well, let's check it out. Let's ask her. So when it was our turn, we approached the young lady and we said, hey, you know, this might sound a bit strange, but do you have a pain in your neck right now? We're Christians and we believe that God speaks to us. And we'd love to bless you. We'd love to pray for you. The young lady turned around and said, yeah, I do have a pain in my neck. So we said, can we pray for you? So we did. And God healed her instantly. Now, the amazing thing about that was she leapt out of her chair there at the checkout and ran to the next checkout and spoke to the other checkout lady and said, you need to go and see this couple. All the pain in my neck is just gone. Apparently, this young lady had a pain in her neck as well. So she swaps places with the other lady. And she comes over and we pray for her. God heals her neck. It was amazing. The presence of God came on her. She actually ended up ripping her jacket off and running up and down the aisle in the supermarket. It was incredible. Now, while all this is going on, there was a queue of about 10 to 12 people watching this encounter. One of the guys in the queue calls out to us and he says, Hey, can you do anything about my stomach ache? We look back at him and we say, no, we can't, sir, but Jesus can. Please come and see us and we'll pray for you. We're the waiters and the waitresses. We take the order and we let the chef cook the meal. We prayed for that man and God healed him. And then we had the great privilege to share the gospel with him for about 10 minutes. It was truly astonishing. Nobody was more surprised than me. You know, if we just think back for a second to the story about Lazarus, This is what I really want to highlight to everybody this morning. We don't go out alone when we go out to see like Jesus and love like Jesus and act like Jesus. We don't go alone. We go with Jesus by his spirit. We go with him. It's a team effort. You know, when when Lazarus came out of the tomb, it happened something like this. Jesus said to the disciples, roll the stone away. And then the disciples rolled the stone away. And then Jesus said, come forth, Lazarus. Lazarus was raised from the dead. He came out of the tomb. But then the disciples unwrapped his grave clothes. We've got our part to play. It's important that we don't get confused and mix things up. It's important that we know what our part is. Our part is to roll stones away. Our part is to unwrap grave clothes. But we have a part to play. You know, I really believe our motto should be something like this. If we look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 for a moment. It says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know, if we wake up every single morning with that scripture on our heart, and we think along these lines, Father, while I've been sleeping, I believe you've been preparing good works for me to do today. Would you lead me into those good works? Would you take me to those people that you want me to see like Jesus? Would you take me to those people that you want me to love like Jesus? Would you take me to that place where I can act like Jesus? That should be our motto, guys. I'm serious. This is important. There are sheep out there on their backs and they're harassed and they're helpless and they're confused and they're lost. And they need us to go up to them and speak to them. You know, in Matthew chapter nine, verse thirty five, it says that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news. We need to speak to people. We can't just confine it to these four walls. We need to go out and proclaim the good news. You know the hinge moment I was talking about earlier? I really believe that that was in Matthew 10 verse 1 when Jesus said he called his 12 disciples to him and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and illness. That was the moment when everything changed. Up until then it was all about the ministry of Jesus and then suddenly there's this hinge moment and everything swings, everything turns And Jesus sends out his 12 disciples. I want to challenge you today. I believe Jesus is sending you out. This is your hinge moment. This is your pivotal moment. God is sending you out and he's saying, don't worry, you don't go alone. You're my co-laborers. It's a team effort. I wonder how we're going to respond to this challenge. You know, going back to Peter, one of my favorite characters in the Bible, this was a man that knew how to respond to a challenge. Let's have a look at the book of Acts, chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. It says this, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Let's remember what Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 10. He said, don't take any money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. who used to sit begging at the temple gate, called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Wow. I love that. I love that for so many reasons. I love it because there's Peter again, that man with the flawed character. He had the only qualifications that we need to operate in this kingdom lifestyle. He loved Jesus. He had faith in his king. And he made himself available. Are we willing to make ourselves available today? Are we willing to respond to the urgency of this time? You know, I really believe that was a special moment when, G- when Peter reached out his hand and took that lame beggar's hand. Something very, very special happened. It was a divine moment. It was the moment when Peter connected with the man and allowed Jesus to walk over the bridge. It allowed the shepherd to walk over the bridge and pick up that sheep on its back. That sheep that had been there many, many times, kicking its legs in the air, struggling to get up in its own strength. Peter made himself available. I'm learning more and more that the more I make myself available, the more God will do through me. It's that simple. There are no superstars in God's kingdom. We just need to make ourselves available. I'm going to finish now, but I'd just like to share one more story before we close. And this truly was something that blessed me about a year ago. Um, And I believe it incorporates everything that we've learned in the last four weeks about living this kingdom lifestyle, about the insight, the identity, the intimacy and the impact. As I was saying, about a year ago, I got home from work one evening and I was very tired so I just wanted to do what we all want to do when we get home from work. I wanted to put my feet up. However, when I sat down in my armchair, I really felt like God was calling me into a time of prayer with him. So I responded, and I had that intimate moment with the Lord. And then I felt like the Lord said something very specific to me. And I felt like he said to me, I want you to get up and go out. And I looked out the window and it was raining heavily, and I said, Lord, I don't want to go out. But I believe the Lord said, I want you to go out, and I want you to look for a man called Jack. And then as I was praying, I saw a picture of two bushes, two green bushes just moving. And in my mind and in my limitation, I thought I was going out to look for somebody gardening called Jack. That's what I came up with. So I put my coat on and I left the house and I went for a walk. And as I was walking down this cycle path in Newmarket, within about three or four minutes, I walked past a group of young men. There were about seven of them and they were skateboarders. And I just walked straight past them because they weren't gardeners and they just didn't seem to fit the profile in my mind. But then when I'd gone about 15 metres past them, I heard this. I heard somebody call out the name Jack. Jack. So I stopped in my tracks and I turned around and I looked and I thought, can this really be happening? Have I really heard this properly? is this why God sent me out to speak to one of these young men? So I I continued on back down the path, back to where I'd come from. And by the time I got there, I came across one young man. He was on his own by this time, and he'd been separated from the group. And this young man was standing on the path with no shoes on his feet, and he was crying his eyes out. He was about 15 years old. And to be honest, he looked pretty beaten up. He looked battered. He looked bruised. He looked harassed and helpless. Like a lost sheep. So I stopped and I said, hey man, what's going on? Why are you upset? What's happened to you? Now, at this point, the rest of the group came back because they saw this strange man talking to their friend. So they came back and they said, what do you want? And I said, well, I saw your friend was upset, so I thought I'd come and see if I can help. And then in that moment, I just asked the young man what had happened to him. And he said this, he said, I got pushed into a bush full of stinging nettles and I'm covered in stinging nettle rashes and it's really, really painful. All down my arms, all down my legs, it's really painful. This young man was crying. So I said, well, listen, mate, don't worry. I'm going to pray for you and I believe God is going to take that pain out of your body right now. Now, by this stage, the rest of the young men have formed a circle and they're watching. To cut a long story short, I prayed a very short prayer and I commanded that pain to leave that young man's body in the name of Jesus. Instantly, the pain left and they all stood there amazed. And I want to tell you, nobody was more amazed than me. God is really good. He's really, really good. Now just after that, another young man stepped forward and he said, Can you pray for my ankle? I have a bad ankle. So I said it would be a privilege and a pleasure. So I prayed for his ankle. God healed his ankle instantly. Another young man steps forward with a pain in his hand. Same thing. Skateboarder fell off his skateboard and he injured his hand. So I prayed for his hand. Again, the pain leaves his hand instantly. By now, God's presence is very, very strong. Another young man steps forward and he holds his arm out. And he says, can you pray for my elbow? Now, on the end of his elbow, there was a lump, a big lump, about half the size of an egg. And it was covered in bruising. And I thought, help me, Jesus. (laughs) I've never seen anything like this healed before. But you know what? It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. It's by my spirit. So I put my hand over this young man's elbow and I prayed. And I took my hand off. And to my astonishment, the lump had diminished by about 50%. At this point, all the young men started leaping up and down. We were all totally freaked out. None of us could believe what we were seeing. One of the young men steps forward. The one actually that had the bad hand previously. And he looks me in the eyes and he says, how can I do this? I want to do this. Tell me how to do it. What a wonderful opportunity to share the gospel. I talked to that young man about Jesus for about 10 minutes. And I said, look, there's nothing special about me. I've just given my life to Jesus. I know he loves me. I know he loves you. If you give your life to him, you can do this because anybody can do this. I then said to the young man, listen, why don't you put your hand on your friend's elbow and you pray? And let's see what God does. So this young man was up for it. He puts his hand over the over his friend's elbow. He covers the lump. I tell him how to pray. He prays a short prayer. He lifts his hand off. The lump has gone. Completely gone. By the grace of God. Now in my mind I'm thinking, I think this young man might be ready to give his life to the Lord. And I'm just about to open my mouth and say, would you like to give your life to Jesus? You know, there's a special prayer you can pray and I'll help you with it. In the meantime, the young man opens his own mouth and he starts praying his own prayer of repentance. And he looks up at the sky and he says, God, I'm so sorry for pushing Jack into that bush of stinging nettles. I'm sorry for not being a nice person. I'm sorry for all the mistakes I've made. I want to be a better person. Will you forgive me? I believe that young man's a Christian today. I believe it with all my heart. And here's the astonishing thing. I haven't seen that young man for perhaps a year. And yesterday I bumped into him in the street for the first time. And he looks really, really well. There's something different about him. I spent time with him and another group of friends. There was about six or seven of them. He was the one that stood out because he was the one that wasn't smoking. He was the one that wasn't swearing. He was the one with a smile on his face. He was the one that was polite to me. He was the one that was nice to me. He was different. He was different because he gave his life to Jesus. I believe every single person sitting here this morning can make an impact in the kingdom of God. When God impacts us with his love and his compassion, it sends us out to do the same thing to other people. We need to ask God this morning to help us to see like Jesus, to love like Jesus, and to act like Jesus. You know, there's one verse in this passage that we share today that I've not focused on as yet. And that's the verse I'm going to close with right now. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, it says, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. It says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You know, Jesus didn't just see the sheep that were lost and without a shepherd and harassed and helpless. He saw a field that was ripe for harvest. He saw the potential. I think it's very significant that just after he asked the disciples to pray this prayer, he called them, and he gave them the authority to go out and to see like him, and to love like him, and to act like him, And I want to challenge you this morning. Have you ever prayed this prayer? Have you ever read this in the Bible and prayed this prayer? I want to tell you something today. This is a dangerous prayer to pray. If you pray this prayer, I want you to understand that Jesus will send you. He'll send other people, but he'll send you too. He will do it. I promise. I promise he will. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that you're a God of love and compassion. Lord, we thank you that you are passionate about people and that is fueled by your love for them. And God, I want to thank you that you love every single person here this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the gold that you've placed inside of people. Lord, thank you for who we are this morning. Thank you that we can choose to love because we are loved. Thank you that because we believe that the great I am who lives in us. Can produce greater works through us. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to work for love, but we can work from your love. Thank you, Lord, that we have the unlimited resources of heaven. To give away to anyone, anywhere, anytime. Lord, would you make us. Walking Encounters, would you give us that boldness that you speak about in the Bible, Lord? Make us as bold as lions. Lord, we thank you that miracles, signs and wonders are going to be a normal part of our life and that they will follow us as we follow Jesus everywhere we go. Lord, I thank you that when we wake up tomorrow morning, if it's your will, that we can make our motto in life, Ephesians Chapter 2, verse 10. And that we can be expectant that while we were sleeping, you've been preparing works for us to walk into. Lord, thank you that we can believe that even today is going to be the best life, the best day of our life so far. We believe that in faith today, Lord. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today.